Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Kevin and Tom and Joe know all there is to know. From masterpieces to deep fried tacos. And if the movie sucks, you might hear them say, There's no telling where the guys will take you. Get ready for a spoiler. Don't say it twice, cause we already warned you. Broadcasting from a radioactive bunker deep inside the bracket compound, this is Real Spoilers, episode 633.5. Today I have a very special guest on the show. You know him from his screenplay for The Informers as the writer-director of 2012's Arbitrage, starring Richard Gere, and his new film, which he wrote and directed, called Crisis, starring Gary Oldman, Evangeline Lilly, and Army Hammer. Welcome to the show, Nicholas Jarecki. Yeah, I've been a pleasure to be here with you. Can I call you Nick? Yeah, of course. We good to be here at the bunker. Yeah, yeah, it's a, you know, you're not in the bunker, you're, you know, virtually, which is good because you don't have to put on the suit, you know, the hazmat suit and all that stuff. Listen, for you, Kevin, I would put it on. Oh my gosh, you're too kind, you're too kind. So Nick, I'm excited to talk to you. Congratulations on the film. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's uh, really interesting. Excited to talk to you about it. But first, before we get into that movie, I have to ask you, I looked at your IMDb, you have a credit. For Hackers, one of my favorite movies ever made. No, come what, on. What is that? What is that? You know, Hackers gave me my start. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, was a, uh, I was a geek. You know, yeah. I was a geek. I was a loser. And um, so I'd stay up late at night while the other kids were kissing and, you know, having all exciting <laughs> stuff. And I would sit and play with computers. And so through that, I found my way into 2600 Magazine, where the Hacker Quarterly, which was a... Uh, it's still published a magazine for computer hacking enthusiasts. And this is back in the early 90s, you know, and hacking was never about stealing or getting credit card numbers and stuff like that. It was more just about exploring things and, and, and kind of going where you weren't supposed to go. So I got kind of deep with 2600, became a member of the group. And we would have these meetings once a month at the Citicorp Center in Manhattan, New York. And, in, and I became friends with the publisher of the magazine and into the meeting one day walked Ian Softley, Johnny Lee Miller, and Angelina Jolie. 
Uh, and uh, they said, hey, we're making a movie called Hackers and we're looking for a technical advisor to teach us hacking. And I said, how about me? And uh, and they said, OK, you're hired. Oh, wow. So this was amazing because it was my first time working on a movie. I was about 16 years old and I got to basically hang out with Ian, the director and the actors and teach them about computer hacking. And I made some props for the film. I made what was called a red box where you could do, get free payphone calls. <laughs> And but I got to go on set and I got to see how a movie was put together. And I think that really inspired a love of doing it in me. And it was sort of at that point I said, well, I got to become a director myself. That is so cool. I mean, I kid you not. I love it. I had it on VHS, wore it out. I bought it as one of my first DVDs when I got DVD. I mean, I've, bought, I've got the Blu-ray version. I love it. I I was the same way. You know, I grew up with computers and before kids all had computers and I had like a black and white or like green and black monitor, monochrome type of thing, you know, really early on. And so that movie spoke to me. And I, you know, I always think of Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie. Like my first thought is that movie so cool you were involved with it well thank you yeah it was, it was a real delight and uh and it got me deep into it awesome awesome uh so uh speaking of this movie um really interesting story and i love the way it's told with the interweaving storylines i'm a sucker for that i think it's a really neat way to tell any story and uh very effective here what made you want to write this story in particular first of all and then go with that kind of a storytelling dynamic well you know honestly as as many things do it sort of started with a personal experience um i had a friend who got involved with opioids about 15 years ago and uh, started with pills and then went into heroin and then he died. And, um, and we were all very confused because he was such a bright sort of energetic thinker and smart guy from a good family. And, and we didn't understand anything, but we just filed it away as a sort of sad day. Um, and then, uh, you know, about five, six years ago, a lot of information really started coming out about the role of the opioid manufacturers in the epidemic. And that, you know, did they know? Did they have advanced knowledge that these drugs were a little more dangerous than many had thought? Um, and that was a question being asked. And so I thought, wow, this is this is really interesting. And I hooked up with these reporters at the Los Angeles Times who had done a series of uh, investigative stories. And they introduced me to this undercover police detective, uh, a, a sheriff um, who had run the prescription narcotics task force here in Los Angeles and busted a lot of the real cartels upon which this film is modeled. This film is really says it's inspired by a true story, but I mean, there's so many true, real, just, I just took the fact pattern from real life and put it here. Um, so it, it hews very close to the truth in many areas. Um, and I thought, you know, this is a complex topic. So I also love those movies, 21 Grams, right. LA Confidential, Crash, Traffic, Babel. I mean, there were so many of those. They kind of disappeared in the wake of television. But I thought, you know, I'm ready to see another one. And, and, and it fits this, this topic quite well to explore it from the side of the scientist played by Gary Oldman investigating the pharmaceutical company, uh, a user, Evangeline Lilly, who's in the upper middle class, so it's not just another poor person drug addict, um, and then an undercover cop, the storyline with Hammer that I figure into. Um, yeah, so, I, uh, <laughs> so I thought it was really fun, fun way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's great because what it, what it does is, I mean, obviously this is a really big problem and now people are more aware of it. Like you said, it wasn't always the case that people would re they realize how many people it affects. And when you see it from these angles, when you see how all the different, whether no matter where you're from, you know, upper, middle, lower class, or, uh, you know, whether you work for the DEA and then you have a family member that is dealing with that, uh, like the Lily Rose Depp character. 
character. And it's it's just it really is a good uh, you know overall picture of how big of an, uh, a deal this is, and very compelling to see it from all those angles. Well, thank you. I agree. You know the um, the thing with the family member is you know that as I did my research, I mean, I found I met with these different you know enforcement agents. And I found it was very common that they would have a family member involved with drug addiction or abuse. Um, and, 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 you know, it was, it sort of almost seems like a, you know, sort of silly or, you know, I don't know what cliche or what have you, but it's just true to life. Right. Um, and, and, and so uh, I, I think that that informs a lot of their work. Um, and when you meet these drug agents, um, people in law enforcement, you know, many of them are highly sophisticated. They're ambivalent about the drug war. Is this the right thing to do or not? You know, but there's this sense that they want to do something. Um, and so, you, you know, perhaps if they can, um, if they can interdict at the um, supply side, you know, with major traffickers and stuff like that, that's something that they can get behind. Uh, because yeah. they know the personal devastation it can wreak. Absolutely. And and I mean, a lot of times, yeah, you say things are cliche or can seem cliche, but they're cliche for a reason. I mean, it's something that is, uh, you know, something you find often. So it makes sense. Yeah, they're true to life. And I think this is a topic that a lot that scares a lot of people and a lot of people don't know about, you know, so that was something that we wanted to do as well to really show the different corners of this. Um, and, and, and it's, it's just, it's all true as we know it, you know, as, as, as the research showed and, uh, as the, uh, uh, I, I think it's a provocative film because it doesn't offer a lot of solutions. Um, but I don't, I'm not in the solution business. I'm, 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 uh, I'm a question asker. Um, right. you know, I think the society has got to come up with solutions. I have some theories about drug treatment and, destigmatization of, of addiction, understanding it's a disease, and, and then also understanding that in the case of opioids, you know, they're created in a lab. Uh, so this is something really that has to be addressed at the creation stage. Absolutely. So I want to take a step back and ask you about acting, because I saw this was your only acting credit, and that surprised me. I thought you were really good in the film. I, Thank I just, you very much. It, I love well, you. I, <laughs> but so i mean what was the decision like i mean have you always wanted to act or what was the decision for being a character in the film well i think i had always had an interest in it but this is actually my second credit my first oh you have to blame lenny kravitz for this <laughs> lenny kravitz the musician he was making a music video about four years ago in los angeles and he wanted a director a real director to play a crazy director directing oh. him and so somehow we knew someone in common I said, well, what about Nick? He said, okay, have him come in and audition for me. So I did. And he said, yeah, yeah, do it. And, uh, and so we shot this music video together, a one-day shoot. And I just had such a great time, but I kept thinking I was screwing it up. Um, <laughs> but then the, the crew were like, no, no, do it again. It's great. It's great. So I thought, okay, wow. Uh, you know what? Um, this, is, this is kind of fun. So, so I thought, all right, let me give it another shot. But I can't, I can't cast myself in some type of romantic role or something you know i got to do I, I kind of comic relief in this movie i'm a bit, a bit of a sidekick character so i thought okay that's something i can do and not embarrass the picture <laughs> but but it was great fun to be on that side of the camera and uh and you know something i i really enjoyed and i i was worried of course as the director you don't know you know hey is this going to be terrible and hurt the movie uh so so we did a bunch of test screenings and i would sneak a question in there what do you think of that uh that that dea character <laughs> And by and large, people are like, yeah, yeah, good performance. So I thought, okay, all right, okay, I didn't, I didn't ruin it. Awesome. No, no, it, it turned out very well. Are you familiar with the actor Robert Sean Leonard? Yes. House, the other doctor on House, besides from 
you remind me a lot of him with I mean, your look and your delivery and that comedic side, how he was always like this kind of comedic influence. I don't know. I, when I saw you at first, I thought it was him, but he's a little older now, but you know, I, just, I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever gotten that before? I have not, but I've always thought that uh, Robert Sean Leonard was a rather attractive fellow. Well, uh, so uh, so I'm very honored to uh, to have met that. I mean, he's more of an Irish uh, type of gentleman, yeah. I guess, in his look. Uh, so maybe I'm going to go Irish. Yeah, right. Exactly. Get no, to yeah, the brogue hair- for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, his hair is a little bit lighter, but seriously though, like the facial. I even looked it up afterwards to compare your pictures because I'm like, am I crazy here? And I looked it up. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know, but uh, take it for what you will. But no, it was it was cool seeing you there, and it didn't stand out. I actually didn't realize it was you until after I saw the movie. For what it's worth, thank so. you. I feel that you kind of look a bit like Matt Damon. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> should I, maybe I should... admiration society here. Thank you. Maybe I should fly out to LA. No. Back to the film, um, the cast is phenomenal. Like, you assembled this crazy cast. I mean, when I go down the list in IMDb, and not just the ones on the poster, but, like, I'm just reading and reading and reading. Like, how did you get this cast together? You know, it was definitely, uh, in some ways it was a challenge because we didn't have a lot of money, so it wasn't really a payday for anybody. Plus, I was shooting in Montreal in winter, which is about minus 30 (laughs) degrees Celsius. Uh, I think that's so cold that just even when you think of the number, you get cold. <laughs> right. Uh, so I had to call. So, I mean, I got Gary Oldman and I had met. We were talking about something else. And then I wrote this very quickly, uh, but over about six months and gave it to him. And he said, OK, like I'm in. Let's do this. I'll produce the movie with you. We got this is an urgent thing. We got it, you know. And so so he was the first person, you know, from there, Evangeline, I had loved on Lost. I um, yeah. watched every episode and and I knew she had the chops to pull it off. Hammer, I thought, you know, sort of fit this role very well. Um, I hadn't seen that in his filmography, but I, I suspected he could bring that kind of power to it. Then a lot of the other people were people that I knew. Michelle Rodriguez, Greg Kinnear, Lily Depp. Um, <laughs> you know, I knew them from my from 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 my life, from from movies. And then I just called everybody and said, hey, would you like to come to Canada? I get you an <laughs> economy plus plane ticket and uh you could stay in this two-star hotel. Uh, and, you know, to my surprise, they were like, you know what? Let's do it. I'll come up there because this is an important topic. You know, be yeah. fun to play with you as a director. And um, and the cast started shaping up. And then, you know, so, okay, now I got the friends. And then it's like, okay, who else can we go? How about Luke Evans? How about Martin Donovan? I don't like yeah. Mia Kirshner. I had a crutch on since I saw her in Adam McGoyan's Exotica. I just thought, what a fascinating, fascinating performer. Uh, a cinematic crush, by the way. Um, a, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and everybody came to play, you know, and, and, and really brought their a game and a Veronica Ferris. I knew, you know, from the Werner Herzog film, uh, salt and salt and fire. And, um, I, you know, was just a fan. So, so then it was just calling people and, and got really lucky. So I think a really nice cast lined up. It's, 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 it's not a typical Hollywood cast. It's a bit, you know, out of the box in some ways, but I think it's not a typical Hollywood movie. You know, it's it's a bit of a more challenging film. Um, we've been blessed. We've really had incredible success with it, even in the pandemic. Of course, we were delayed. We were going to come out in many theaters. But we came out in about 215 theaters. And we opened up number one independent film in the box office. Then we went right to video. And we were the number one iTunes film for eight days. Uh, yeah. So so I think and and we're still there and we're still climbing the Amazon charts. We're up at number five and we're uh, we just opened in Australia. Number one debut. So it seems to be connecting with audiences. 
Um, and we're going to continue the rollout, you know, through the summer because some yeah. places are still closed. Yeah, um, no, that's, that's great. I'm so happy that the film has found success because it is such an important topic, as we've discussed. And uh, I, I think it really sheds an interesting light on, and it kind of leads me to my next question, the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, there's a lot to say about them. I mean, they are, if you, if there were to be a villain in the film besides drug dealers, you know, but the manufacturers at the top of the food chain, you know, it doesn't put them in the best light. And I wondered, have you got any pushback from anything related to the pharmaceutical industry on how they're portrayed? Well, I wonder, I mean, listen, it was never my intention to paint anyone as a villain, you know, because I think those films are somewhat less interesting when you, you, you know, realize everyone is the hero of their own story to an extent. So, I'm a great fan of pharmaceutical development and creation of life-saving drugs. I have a family member with cancer. He's been alive a decade because of experimental medicines, you know, but pharma medicines. Uh, So, so, but this is really more about kind of our failures as a society to properly regulate the distribution of opioids and to really, you know, and their marketing and to think these things through, because I think anytime there's a great, profit opportunity, you know, it will be filled. And I think that's what opioid prescribing became, you know, where these things were being given out for toothaches or whatever. And, um, and not enough attention was paid to the fact that they could have deleterious effects for certain users. So, so I wanted to show that, you know, and attempted to show in its complexity. Um, uh, But, you know, as far as pushback, I mean, it's been quiet, but there's the you know, we, we, we've definitely had some some challenges on this film, the pandemic, shooting, uh, release, you know, certain publicity. I mean, there's a part of the conspiracy theorist part of me wonders if maybe there's uh, Mrs. Opioid somewhere in the background uh, uh, trying to trying to make the film go away. But I don't think so. But you never know. Sure. Uh, uh, so I'm not I'm not tinfoiled out yet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I guess I could get there if anything else goes wrong. But right now it seems to be going well, and let's just keep keep finding you know uh, audiences and and people like yourself who give the film a thoughtful watch and and kind of you know get the word out there and then let the audience decide if it's uh, you know if it's contributing anything to this discussion. No, I I agree with you, and you know, and when I say villain, it's not as simple as painting it that way. That was just my way of saying, you know, like to me, like Gary Oldman's the hero. If you were to say when you know he's doing the research and trying to save people, and they're saying, well, we're going to push it forward. We know because who are you to say that you know the good or the bad outweighs the good? Like I like that it is presented, so it is in no means like just they're the bad guy. But I like the way that you do give everyone a pretty. I mean, it's a pretty honest look at each character and each side of things. And, you know, uh, Luke Evans makes that really good point when he's talking about that. Like I mentioned, you know, who are you to say uh, you're going to withhold this because there's potential for bad when it could really help someone. It could save their life. It could get them off of these other drugs that are more dangerous. So, yeah, it is uh, presented in a really. What about the people who need these drugs? Right. They're suffering. There you go. I should have asked you for the line. But that's good. I'm I'm glad that it, it hasn't caused you a lot of trouble or anything. You just never know because obviously they're a huge industry. But I mean, they hey, hold on. At... Who's coming through the back? Is that somebody right. in the back? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> technical difficulties, right? <laughs> Michael Clayton land yet, but you never know. We might get there. Yeah. Um, well, no, no, that's great. Um, with the VOD stuff, um, you know, it's a shame. I'm of 
two minds of it where like, you know, I would love theaters to be able to get as much revenue as possible. I know some people are like anti VOD because of, you know, they want to save the theaters, but also it's like right now people are, you know, not vaccinated all the way. Um, not all theaters are open. I mean, I'm glad that your film is able to release on VOD and give people the option that feel that's the safest and most accessible way. And then they can go to the theater if their theaters are open. You know, we had started that with arbitrage back when we came out end of 2012, early 2013, uh, we we put it in the same about 200 theaters and then went VOD and we were the highest grossing film and still the highest grossing independent film to ever do that. And we did all these exit surveys at the time uh, because we had great results in both theater goers and home viewers. And we asked them, you know, did you know you could get this at home? Would you, would you have gone? And they said, I, you know, I didn't know, but I like going to the movie theater. I like the theater. I'm good. I don't need the home. Then the home people would say, you know, I love going at home. The theater is such a pain and I'm in a wheelchair. I don't like to go to the theater. You know, so we found there were different constituencies and that, yes, as a filmmaker, of course, you want your work on the big screen. We shot this in 35 millimeter. We mixed it in Dolby and the huge stages. And, you know, it's an incredible cinematic experience. It's, it's, it's don't want to make this sound like a boring documentary. You know, it's a fun, no. thrilling movie. So, sure, you know, that is preferred. But. Uh, but at the same time, just getting it out to people and getting the story out to people, I think, is is the key. Uh, so, you know, to the extent we can do that through VOD and especially within the pandemic, um, it, it's 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 a lifesaver. So I think we're we're glad to have all these roads. And speaking of 35 millimeter and doing things not necessarily digital, what about practical effects? You've got some of the uh, action slash violence, let's say, and I won't get into specifics so it doesn't spoil it for anyone uh, that doesn't want to be spoiled yet. But uh, it like looked really good. I mean, were those practical effects with the blood and? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's it, we we try to do about 90 percent in camera. Wow. Uh, there are some things, you know, that, that are enhanced certain spatter. I mean, it's funny, you wouldn't know this. There's a couple hundred effect shots in the movie, but they're mostly me like changing performance, speeding stuff up, yeah. slowing stuff down. Uh, oh man, this guy was head was over here. Now it needs to, okay, all right, let's split screen. I mean, things that you could never do, you know, when I started uh, in films, um, and, and, you know, all to kind of smooth it out. Um, so, you know, maybe it's a big waste of time and money, but we do it anyway. No, that's good. I mean, I, I'm a big proponent of practical. I love that. Um, you know, it doesn't take you out like some of the digital stuff. You, you, I think you hit the nail on the head and you're, you're the pro, you're the expert, but, uh, enhancing, you know, using CG and digital to enhance effects, not to just create them because I know it's, uh, it can be cost effective and, uh, you can not have the cleanup and everything, but there's no weight to it. So I'm always a fan of the practical. Yeah, Kevin, I think that's right. Um, you know, it's, 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 I mean, look, this is an old school approach. You know, I like that. I mean, obviously there's a place for everything. There's the big CG monster movie, you know, and, and that's its own thing. But I mean, as far as a drama, it's like yeah. it works so well to just go with a single camera and, and, and do it that way for a long time. So we just try to continue that tradition. What are you doing to keep busy other than uh, promoting your movie during this whole quarantine thing? What are your hobbies? Well, I'm putting, I'm working on a couple new things. We'll see. There's maybe always a movie in the offing. Um, and uh, so, uh, so there's that. And then at the same time, uh, I just, I've been learning to make espresso. Nice. Uh, isn't that just kind of really white? Uh, <laughs> That's but, what you're sipping on though? Is that your? Yeah. I just made myself a nice coffee. Cool. Well, I'll be looking forward to seeing what you have next. And I certainly have spread the word about the film. Uh, it, it is a very interesting look and like multifaceted as we spoke about. And really appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time and, and for, for 
shedding a light on the film. And I hope your friends enjoy it. They can find us uh, Crisis Anywhere um, on all the platforms or at a theater near you. And also we're on uh, Instagram and Twitter as Crisis Movie. Um, so check us out. Perfect. And I saw on your Twitter, you shared a picture of a car with a rig all over it. Was that yesterday, I think? Oh, yeah. I love seeing that. Talk about practical. You had cameras all over the car to get the angles and everything. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah I'm doing a, some behind the scenes every day. My Instagram, Jarecki, But you can just find me through Crisis Movie. So there'll be more to come. Cool. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Nick. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, we'll hope to see you soon. Kevin, a pleasure as well. Thank you. Get ready for a spoiler. Say it twice cause we already warned ya Better watch out, it's gonna ruin the plot Real spoilers Real spoilers Real spoilers Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 